Good morning. So good to see all of you on this Christmas Sunday as we have uh, named it and noted it this Sunday before Christmas where we get to celebrate our Savior, our risen Savior, who first came to be born as a man for us, who came to be born just to die. And what a privilege and opportunity it is to gather and to share again with you and just to lift up the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. And I believe God has something special that he wants to say to us um, as we continue this theme, this understanding uh, of who God is and what he came to do today. And so I want to invite your attention to one verse of Scripture, Isaiah chapter number 9 and verse number 6. Isaiah chapter number 9 and verse number 6. If you want some help, all of the notes and scriptures are on the YouVersion Bible app. Um, they will be on the screen as well. Good morning to everybody watching online as well. And I want to encourage you, stay online till the end um, because we have some special things planned today. And we don't want you to miss any of it. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Are we ready for a word? Here we go. Isaiah 9, verse 6. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I want to tag this one particular text with this simple title, It's in the Name. You may be seated. It's in the name. This is the Advent season. This is the Advent season. Advent meaning to arrive. Advent, Advent meaning it has come. Advent simply is about the anticipation and the awaiting of a promise. This season initially um, is the advent of the promised Messiah. Spoiler alert, he came already. And he showed up just for us. However, we keep celebrating it because concurrently this season is also about the promised miracle in each of our individual lives. One promise, one Savior. One Messiah, but many miracles. In other words, the power that was produced in the manger becomes miracles that are produced in mankind. And here's the truth. If we be honest, many of us are in advent of something right now. Many of us are awaiting something. Many of us are in anticipation of something. And while Advent reveals promise, what Advent also teaches us is that it requires patience. Advent forces us to wait. If you look at Israel, Israel waited years for the Messiah, hundreds of years waiting on this Messiah because Advent is just as much about patience as it is promise. Let me help you. Uh, a couple months ago, 
um, my wife and father-in-law conspired behind the scenes to purchase for me uh, the brand new authentic Kobe Bryant jersey and the re-release of his shoes. They had the plan, they had a budget, they had everything together of what they were going to get from me. She stayed up late, she got into the digital line. Um, I was clueless to all of this. Um, And that morning when it was released, she set an alarm, woke up, went to purchase everything. And when she hit checkout, it said, I'm sorry, these items are no longer available. They had been sold out immediately. In minutes, she was unable to get it, and she admittedly said she was devastated. She began to look at the resellers and the people who buy and resell, but they had marked up the prices so high, it was just out of her price range. She said, I was waiting for days, waiting, had everything ready, and I still missed out. The issue, the issues for her regarding what she was waiting on was two things. And I think I need to help you with this today. Was two things. One of the issues was availability. There was a limited supply of what she wanted. It wasn't that it wasn't good to get. It wasn't that it wasn't nice to get. It wasn't that it wasn't a great gift. It was just unavailable. And maybe, hear me well, what God is trying to do with us hasn't happened in its entirety because there's an issue of availability in our lives. Stay with me. God is not limited on what he has, but he is often limited on where he can sow. The issue of availability isn't heavenly supply. The issue of availability is often earthly space. In 2 Kings chapter 4, uh, this widow woman has a problem. Two creditors come and knock on her door and say, hey, your husband died and he owes us some money. You are in debt. And in order to repay it, we're going to take your sons as slaves, as indentured servants in order to work this debt off. She is having a fit and she runs to the prophet Elisha and says, I need help. The creditors are here. I don't have any money. They're going to take my sons. My sons are all that I have. He says, well, what else do you have? What do you have in the house? She says, nothing but a little bit of oil. He says, good. Go to your neighbors, knock on the doors, get some jars. Go in the house, take that little bit of oil and begin to pour it. Pour it into the jars. And when you finish, you sell those jars, you pay the creditors and you live off what's left. Can I pause and say he was already telling her that she would have enough to eat and plenty to spare. She gets the jars and she begins to pour the oil. And 2 Kings chapter 4 verse 6 says this, Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the oil stopped flowing. Hear me well. The Bible never says there wasn't any more oil. The Bible doesn't say that they ran out of oil. The Bible says there wasn't any more space for it. There weren't any more jars. This is why Jesus says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 37, he said to his disciples, the harvest is great. That's not the issue. The workers are few. 
The issue of availability is not what heaven has for you, but it is our availability to receive it. Are we available for everything we are waiting on God to do? The other issue my wife had that maybe I think many of us have is not just availability, but affordability. The other issue was affordability. My wife and my father-in-law had a set budget amount that they were able to spend. And once they ventured over to the resellers and the hustlers, the price was so high they could no longer afford what they wanted. It had been price gouged so high that they could not afford it. Many of us, our advents are delayed because we can't afford what we are in anticipation of. Here's a hard statement I need to make, that too many of us, me included, are awaiting promises that we don't have the faith to pay for. Jesus takes three disciples on a mountain, and he transfigures in Matthew chapter 17. He transfigures Peter, James, and John, have this moment with Jesus, and then they disappear. The Lord says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Boom. They go down a mountain. And they encounter a father, his son, and the rest of the disciples. There's an argument. There's commotion going on at the bottom of this mountain. And they had this conversation. And the father says, man, listen, Jesus, I brought my son to your disciples. I brought my son to the people who are connected to you, who should be able to do what you can do, but they couldn't heal my son. He says, please, Jesus, can you heal my son? What do you want me to do? Heal my son. He says, listen, I can heal him if you believe. The dad says, I believe, but help my unbelief. Jesus begins to heal this man's son. They go away, and when the scene is over, the Bible says this in Matthew 17, verse 19. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? He said to them, listen to these words, because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of a mustard seed, which is smaller than the nail on my pinky. He said, if you just had faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you would say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. It's an issue of affordability. Do we really have the faith? Do we really believe in what we're asking God to do? So back to my story. I don't get the Kobe jersey. I don't get the Kobe shoes. There's no happy ending to that. Still don't have them. Oh, well. Literally, 24 hours later, though, we're watching TV. 48 hours later, we're watching TV, and I see the jersey all over the TV. People got it on. They're wearing the jersey. They're wearing the shoes. I'm a little in my feelings at this point. I want to cut the TV off because if I see one more person with this jersey on, I'm going to have a fit. And my wife, even though she's still upset, she leans over to me and says, babe, you know how they got the jersey, though. You know how they got it. I said, how? She said, they got it because of their name. She said, their name got them access. The name, Ralph, the name LeBron James goes further than Ralph Emerson with this stuff. Because when there are issues of availability and affordability, names get us access. You're going to get it in a minute. Since the beginning of time, names have been a big deal. Names have played a significant 
part in life from Eastern cultures today and in antiquity to our Bible persons and characters that we read on a regular basis. People were careful in naming because a name determined your character and your destiny. My name is Ralph, a German and Scandinavian name with the Germanic elements rad, meaning counsel, and wolf, meaning leader. In other words, strong counselor or strong leader. If your name is Victor or victory with the prefix vict, you understand your name means to overcome. And here in Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah presents to us another name. Isaiah is having a discussion with Israel in chapter 9 because the Israelites are distraught. They are wondering, when is deliverance coming for them? When will their vexation be vindicated? When will their anxiety be alleviated? And Isaiah's presentation of a solution is not war. It is not digging up the ground. It is not a miracle. It's a name. And I'm here to tell you, we have been bombarded all 2020 with a bunch of names. There have been a bunch of names on the screens of our life all year, but we need to find hope and help in another name. I want us to look at that name. Number one, let's unpack the beauty of this name. We see the creation of the name. We see the creation. Rather, we see the conception of the name. The text says, for to us a child is born. This is huge because Isaiah chapter 9 is the good news after the bad news. Isaiah chapter 8 was a travesty. Isaiah chapter 8 is darkness and gloom and doom. Isaiah chapter 8 is all about their pain and suffering. And Isaiah chapter 9 comes in to bring hope. And the hope is that the name is born. And when you look at this creation of the name, two things we see. A, we see that when it is born, it brings presence. It brings presence. The birth of the name is about presence. In other words, a child being born says the name has parents and becomes human. If it is born, it has parents, and it becomes human. In John chapter 1, he says this, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So what was and what will be becomes what is right now. In other words, the ancient of days submits to a span of time. The name now being born has relatability and connectivity. It becomes human. It, 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 it connects. Okay, uh, uh, let, when, when, my, when, my, when my wife and I got serious, when we were dating, and we got serious several, several years ago, um, we made this deal that she, she, really me, would start helping sleep train uh, her son, this big old boy right? This big old boy should have been in the bed a long time ago, but he had been sleeping in the bed with her for years. And I said, babe, when we get married and move in together, uh, I want to sleep next to you, not, not him. I need him in his own bed. And so we needed to sleep train. I needed to, well, the problem is when we put him in the bed, he'd get up every night. He'd cry out every night. He'd complain. And it was something new every night. Something's wrong with the bed. Something's under the bed. Something's in the closet. Room don't feel right, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We tried everything. And then one night, my wife gets up 
She takes him in the room. She opens the closet, shows him the closet. Look, son, anything in there? No, ma'am. Looks under the bed. Anything under there? No, ma'am. Shakes the bed. How's the bed feel? Just fine. She gets the Thomas the Train DVD, puts it in the TV, puts him in the bed, and then she does something special. She gets in the bed with him and goes to sleep. I'm peeking around the corner, and I can see him looking at her sleep. And he's like, wait a minute, she just came in here in this room and went to sleep two nights straight. Same thing. Took him in, checked the room, checked under the bed, put in the Thomas the Train DVD, get in the bed with him, go to sleep. Finally, it clicked for him. He walked in there, he checked the closet for himself, he looked under the bed for himself, he got in the bed and went to sleep. I said, babe, help me. She said, I had to get in it to show him how to overcome it. I had to get in there with him so he could see that everything was all right. Can I tell you? That's what the name did when it was born. It connected. It became relatable. It got in your skin to show you how to overcome your skin. It got in your mess to show you how to overcome your mess. That's the power of the name that he poured himself out so he could fill me up. He was emptied so that I could be exalted. He became presence among us. But then the creation of the name is not only about presence, it's also about presence. (laughs) It's not just about presence, it's also about presence. You get it. The text goes on to say a son is given to us. Given says it was a gift. It was a present. When he's born, it's a present. It's a gift. In other words, I didn't have anything to do with it. But it just loved me so much, it just showed up. It's not just a child either. This gift is a son. This is huge because having a son here meant royalty. Having a son here meant promise. Listen, not as those sons were better than daughters, but in this context, sons became kings. For better understanding for you in any context, you know sons carry names. Sons carry legacy, that these men wanted sons so that their name would last through generations. Sons keep the family name going. So this name, being a son, meant that this hope, this light in the darkness, wasn't just for the people hearing this prophecy, but it was also for the legacies after this generation. It wasn't just for them, it was for everybody. Okay, Uh, my family, uh, once the pandemic hit, uh, sparked uh, a sense of communion and necessity to stay connected. And so on my father's side, um, our family has a once a month Zoom call. And so uh, recently, my grandfather would have turned 100. He's in heaven, would have turned 100. And so they wanted to have a Zoom call centered around grandfather, and they wanted to tell funny stories about grandfather. Cool. And so I was so young, so far removed, I didn't have many stories. I just wanted to soak it all in. And so I sat there, but as I'm listening and my wife is sitting next to me, they start saying stuff like, oh, y'all remember grandfather was a neat freak. You had to take your shoes off at the door. 
whoa. So I look at my wife, and my wife looks at me. And then they say, man, he was such a neat freak. There were only certain places in his house you could sit. My wife looks at me again. Then they say, y'all remember, he was introverted. He wanted everybody to come in, say hello, and then he'd go hide somewhere in another room. Now my wife is, like, tapping me. Then she says, hey, and when he drive, he couldn't drive to save his life. When he looked left, the car would go left. When he looked right, the car would go right. Now my wife is, like, right here. And I said, oh, my God, I finally get it. This is where I got all of this stuff from. This is where I inherited all of this. I do all of this stuff because it was past down to me. God, I hope you get this. Listen, that when the name showed up, it didn't show up just for the people Isaiah was talking to, but that hope and that joy and that deliverance and that freedom, it was passed down to us. It was given to us and the generations that come to us. In other words, Jesus wasn't so small that he could only show up for one group of people, but it is a name that lasts through generations. It is a name that lasts through years. It is a hope that is passed to us. Okay, so secondly, not only do we see the name's conception, we see the qualification of the name. We see the name's qualification. In other words, what in the world has authorized this name to be better than any other name? What does this name have that no other name has. I like my name. What makes his name better than my name? Now, I'm just playing right here now. But what qualified his name to be so great? The qualification is found in one thing, that the name, that his name is omnipotent. Not just him, his name is omnipotent. Watch what the text says, omnipotent, omni meaning all, potent meaning power. So his name is all powerful. At the mention of his name, things happen. God, don't let me get ahead of myself. So the text says, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. That's power, y'all, especially for Israel right here, because the government will be on his shoulders figuratively refers to a kingly robe that would be worn by the Messiah. So as king, he will be responsible to govern all of the nations. In other words, as king, he would be in charge. The problem is why this was so powerful to them is because in Isaiah's day, Judah's leaders were incompetent and consistently incapable in governing the people. So whether it was carelessness or corruption, the people were struggling. But when the name took over, he would govern correctly. In other words, what was once in control would have to submit control to the name. Okay, uh, uh, my daughter, uh, uh, seven years old, uh, with a backpack like an adult. Because, of course, 2020 has put a strain on kids. So she got a laptop, headphones, binders, books, but everything. Backpack is way too heavy for a seven-year-old. She was struggling to get her backpack on, and we were walking out the house one day, and I just walked up to her. I walked up to her, and I just grabbed the backpack, and you could see my baby just sigh, just 
Oh, thank you, Daddy. I grab the backpack, put it in the car. She gets in the car. We go to where we're going. She's getting ready to grab it. I look at her and say, no, 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 no. I grab the backpack again, take her into the house where she's going to do her virtual school. I take the backpack all the way up the stairs. I unload the backpack, set up the computer, plug in the headphones, and she sighs. She says, Daddy, thank you so much. This backpack is just too heavy, Daddy. This backpack is just too much for me. And I looked at her and smiled and said, I know, but it's not too much for me. It was heavy to you, but it's not heavy to daddy. Hear me well that the name putting the government on his shoulders was him saying, I know the weight of this is too heavy for you, but it's not too heavy for me. That I'll pick it up and put it on my shoulders. That it is about freedom and it is about freedom fathering, that he frees me from the pain I cannot handle, and he fathers me into a position of peace. He takes what is too much for me and puts it on his shoulders, that what had me in distress is taken over by someone divine. The name is omnipotent. It is all-powerful. It is a name that can turn things upside down or turn upside-down things right side up. It's a name that splits seas. It's a name that moves mountains. It's a name that causes manna to fall from the sky. It's a name that destroys walls. It's a name that's powerful. It's a name that can take nothing and turn it into something. It's a name that demons tremble when they hear that name. It's a powerful name. It's omnipotent. It's qualified to do what no other name can do. Here we go. So here we go. The name, we see the creation of the name. We see the qualification of the name. And then finally, the name has illustration. Okay, the name, the illustration of the name. I love this. Because Isaiah then proceeds to describe the name. He gives credibility to the character of this name. So watch what he does. He identifies who the child will be. He identifies who the son is. He identifies what the name is. But watch what the text says. It says, and his name shall be called, you're on the edge of your seat here, wonderful, counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. Now, now for us, we get hype about that. But if I'm an Israelite reading this, if I'm hearing it, I'm a little confused. Because you get to the end of all of this and you don't say his name. You never actually say what his name is. You get to the end of the litany and he never professes his name. This is what Isaiah does and this is why it blesses me now. That instead of describing him by his name, he describes him by how we will experience him. He says, I'm going to heighten your advent by not just alerting you to a name to look out for, but I want to give you illustrations of what the name will do for you. And so, can I give them to you? It says this. He says that his name is wonderful. 
Depending on your translation, there might be a comma between wonderful and counselor, or it could be put together, let's separate them. His name is wonderful. In other words, the name is phenomenal. The name is exceptional and distinguished. When there's a theophany in Scripture, in Judges chapter 13, verse 18, it says this, Why do you ask my name? The angel of the Lord replied. Watch what he says. It is too wonderful for you to understand. That's how wonderful his name is, that his name is unparalleled. It is ubiquitous. It is unmatched. It is exquisite, and it is amazing that his name stood on nothing across from nowhere and made everything. It's wonderful. That's the type of name it is. His name is Counselor. Counselor meaning guide. Counselor meaning teacher, that the name is guidance. That in other words, that Jesus didn't show up just for lessons. He showed up to love me and to lead me. That he navigates the nuances of my life so that when both roads look good, I choose the road that's God. Because I don't want what's good, I want what's God. He's a guide that I want what God has for me. Psalm 16 verse 7 says this, I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. The name is a counselor. The name is mighty God. What does that mean simply? The name is hero. The name is our hero. I grew up as a little boy. Got get, catching the tail end of a famous cartoon. And the cartoon was called Mighty Mouse. Mighty Mouse, this average Joe Mouse. And things would go wrong, and they would need some help, and Mighty Mouse would show up. And I loved it just because of the song you would hear every episode. That when Mighty Mouse showed up, the, the song would ring, Here he comes to save the day. And you knew when you heard that things were about to go down. It didn't matter what was happening. It didn't matter what went wrong. It didn't matter what was troubling them. Mighty Mouse was on his way. Mighty Mouse was on his way to solve every problem and fix every issue. Mighty Mouse was on the way to take everything that was bad and make it good. And before the show was over, everything would be put back together. Can I tell you, that's what the name is. The name is a hero that when everything seems like it's falling apart or going wrong or messing up or I can't fix it and I can't find a solution the name shows up to save the day the name shows up to not leave me the same and to not leave me where I was maybe I'm by myself but there's somebody in here who can say the hero got me up out of my sin the hero broke every chain and tore down my walls and set me free he is my hero he is a mighty God. The name is an everlasting father. I love it. He is the father of time. He is the father who exists outside of time and yet chose to step into time. <laughs> he is a father that exists from everlasting to everlasting. He is so big, he is meeting himself from where he's coming from. 
He's everlasting, that there is no watch that can clock him, no time that can keep him, no space that can contain him. He's everlasting. But the name is an everlasting father. Wait, what? Because the text says, Isaiah says, for unto us a child is born. And for unto us, a son is given. Hold on, Isaiah. This is a contradiction, bro. How in the world is a child the father? And how in the world can you call the son the father? You called a child father and a son father? And Isaiah is like, yep, the baby is the father. Whoa, yep. Because Isaiah understands that I can call him father because he's not only a child, but he's got daddy's characteristics. That the son is the father just as much as the father is the son. And so just like the father is everlasting, so is the son. That through time and space, he'll still be there. Through season after season, he'll still be there. That when we feel like we've run out of time, when daylight savings changes time, when we feel like we have lost time, we serve a name that's beyond time. He who was, he who is, and he who is to come, that is the name. And then finally, he says his name is Prince of Peace. I love this. In Matthew chapter 8 and Mark chapter 4, we find a synoptic story about Jesus in the boat with his disciples. Jesus tells his disciples, hey, let's go over to the other side. And he goes, one translation says, into the hinder. Another translation says, into the lower part of the ship. And he gets a pillow, literally, the Bible says a cushion, and he goes to sleep. And as they're sailing across the lake, a storm erupts on the lake, and these disciples are going nuts. They're losing their mind. They're beginning to throw things overboard. They're trying to preserve the ship. And I'll be honest, here's the Emerson Standard Version. I know they probably was looking at the door to the bottom saying, all right, bro, any, any moment, you going to get up? Like, Jesus, where, where, where in the world are you? And finally, they don't care. Finally, the King James, the new King James would say, care, Master, carest not that we perish? Your, your, your more literal translations, Master, do you not care that we're going to die? The Emerson Standard Version, Jesus, where are you, bro? And Jesus gets up out of the bottom and he walks up. He looks at them, he looks at the storm, <laughs> and he says, peace, be still. And the Bible says that there's calmness on this ship. And I love it because this is what the Lord helped me with, that Jesus is sleeping the bottom of the ship. If water is getting into the boat, that means Jesus felt the water before they did, and he would still sleep that he was getting wet even before they got wet and he was still sleep because the name is Prince of Peace. The name is about sleeping on a pillow in the midst of the storm. The name is a peace that makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside the still waters. It's tranquility in the midst of tragedy. It's comfort in the midst of chaos. It's calm in the midst of confusion. It's peace. 
And I'm here to tell you there's something about that name. That when I struggle with accessibility and affordability, when I struggle with antiquity or even ambiguity, there's the name. When there's hurt and helplessness and hopelessness, there's the name. When I'm in anticipation and I'm awaiting, there's the name. When there's suffering and there's pain, there's the name. When there's joy and there's celebration, there's the name. There's something about the name. It's the name for me. What is his name, Pastor? His name is Jesus. Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Messiah. There is something about his name and everything we need is in the name. Everything we could desire is in the name. Everything that we could ever look to and hope for is in the name. God, I gotta do it. Listen, it's a name. He's all in all, all wise alpha. He's baby born in Bethlehem. He's the crucified, conquering Christ child. He's the doctor and the dietitian. He's everlasting and he's eternal. He's the father to the faithful and the friend to the friendless. He's a great God. He's holy, hallelujah. He's Isaiah chic. He's just Jesus. He's king of kings. He's Lord of lords. He's matchless and merciful and mighty. He's Nehemiah's wall builder. He's Nicodemus's night school teacher. He's omnipotent and omniscient and omnipresent. He's our Prince of Peace. He's our quest revealer. He's our righteous ready reviver. He saves and sanctifies and satisfies. He's the troubleshooter that takes away trials. He's understanding. He's victory. He's a way out of no way. He's my escape. He's my yes and he's Zion. There's something about that name that it is in the name that we celebrate it is in the name that we hold true and hold fast Jesus the Christ I know we get excited on Easter I know we celebrate on Easter but I'm so grateful that he was born before he died I'm so grateful that he showed up to be like me so he could be greater than me I'm so grateful that he showed up so that he could write Hebrews chapter 4 and say and I was in all points tempted but did not sin so that you can come boldly to my throne of grace and receive what you need from me the name of Jesus who wipes every tear from your eyes who lifts you when you cannot lift yourself that is the name and so God we thank you today for your name for the name that was born and given to us the name that is more powerful than any of us the name that rescues the name that holds us in the palm of your hands. God, we thank you that it is because of that name that we can have life everlasting and freedom evermore. And so God, we thank you and we love you. With heads bowed and eyes closed, whether you're watching me online or you're in the room with us today, that same name is here for you. That same name is available to do what no other human being could do. 
It is here to wake, take away that misery, to let you know that there is no mistake that will put you out of the reach of the name. There is nothing you have done that will keep you away from Jesus. There is no sin too great, no mistake too large that Jesus won't be available for you. What a great opportunity in this season where we celebrate why he came, that you would partner with him and say, Lord, you can have me. I'm tired of trying to beat this addiction. I'm tired of trying to walk this life. I'm tired of trying to do my marriage or run this business on my own. I'm tired of trying to live this on my own. I want you in my life. I want to partner with you so that I can have abundant life on this earth. Not that it's easy, not that life necessarily be simple, but I'll partner with a presence that's greater than me. And then most of all, that I'll have eternal life with you forever. Streets that are paved with gold. Water that is crystal clear, where there is no mourning and no weeping, no more pain and suffering. And so if that's you, you say, man, I need to make that decision today. I need to make that decision for Jesus. I need to ask Jesus to be my savior today. I want to make that decision to be saved for the name to rescue me. And if that's you, whether you're in the chat with us or you're in the room, I would just encourage you to raise your hand today. If that's you, if you say on this Sunday, I want to make Jesus my savior, just raise your hand wherever you are. Just raise it in the chat. Put the two-hand emoji in the chat, whatever that is. I see you. I see you. And so listen, here at Impact City, nobody walks alone. Nobody prays alone. And so we want to pray together with you a simple prayer but a powerful meaning. A simple prayer. You're going to have to do the work after this. But it's a simple prayer to say, listen, I'm going to surrender my life. And so listen, I encourage you wherever you are, whether you're at home or at work in your car, whether you're in this room with me today, as loud as you can, let's pray together. Repeat after me, Lord Jesus, I thank you for being born just like me, for experiencing all that I go through. I admit I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe you are the Son of God who died and rose again. And I confess you as Lord, as Savior, and King of my life. In your name, we say amen. Come on, let's give God some praise today for decisions made. What a great message. I hope this message was a blessing to you. And if it was, don't forget to share the link with somebody. Let's be a blessing to our family and friends by sharing positive content that can impact their lives for generations to come. If you decided to follow Jesus or rededicate your life to him today, congratulations. We're excited for you because we know that God has a plan for your life. We would love to congratulate you and send you some special info. Fill out a digital connect card at impactcity.cc slash connect card and check one of the boxes under I have decided to. Well, we want to thank you for watching this week's message. If you haven't already, don't forget to hit the like and subscribe buttons before you sign off today. Merry Christmas. We'll see you again soon.